The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting, as usual, from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and it's getting hot here, I will tell you that. We have a really fun, great show for you today, so let's get right into it. You know, we have somebody who's well-known, and I want to say this. Some people have a really warped idea of what it's like to be famous or the spouse of somebody famous. You know, they think it's all glamour, big money, big fun, big everything, and sometimes it is. It also may have big pain, big challenges, big disappointments, and no one, not even those in the public eye, are immune from those. People assume that those who are in the public eye have a perfect life, a life different from the average human being. Some of you know that I was married to a man who became a congressman back in the day that it wasn't such a bad rap and you were welcome most places. I had my time in the spotlight then and at the same time that I was doing all that, I had two tiny babies to care for, a house to clean, dinners for 20 or more to prepare on a regular basis. I had no help and then I had more events than I cared to attend put on my calendar and sometimes I didn't know until uh, just a little bit before it was to happen. It was hard work. When I got to the glamorous times of it, I was often too tired to enjoy them. And today's guest knows about this kind of life. An advocate for healthy healing, Shemaine Nugent has been a group fitness instructor for more than 30 years. She's a motivational speaker, author, TV producer and host, and a filmmaker. She has appeared on MTV, VH1, Discovery, CMT, C-SPAN, Fox, and many other national television and radio shows. With a bachelor's degree in radio, TV, and film, and a master's degree in metaphysics, Shemaine is taking her passion for helping others to the internet airways at her website, ShemaineNugent.com. Rocks. Now, if you didn't get that, it's on the self-improvement blog. Go look at it. But it's shemainenugent.rocks, not com. And that really does work. I tested it. I didn't believe it either. Shemainenugent.rocks, where she shares her honest views about spirituality, faith, family, fitness, fashion. I like faith, family, fitness, and fashion, politics, healthy living, and her 27-year marriage to rock and roll legend, Ted Nugent. She's the author of the recently published Four Minutes a Day, Rock and Roll Your Way to Happy, lovely little book. I'm excited to welcome her to the Self-Improvement Show today. Shemaine, welcome. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you for having me, Irene. We are kindred spirits. I think we are. The only thing is, you, you, you look like you've had a career in fitness for 30 years, and I don't. <laughs> I well, really, I, really don't. I've been having, I have been having fun. I've been wrapped up in the fitness industry, and thankfully, I I love to exercise. But 
I do love to eat as well, so we'll have we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will. And I have to say, I really don't love to exercise, but my dog does, so I do get some. Now, tell, let's start at the starting place. Tell us about yourself. This is always my first question. Who is Shemaine Nugent? I am um, someone who is passionate about not only hearing other people's stories, but helping other people be the best that they can be. And I learned through my own trials and tribulations, and you nailed it, Irene, when you talked about, you know, people, people probably do look at me and think that I got it made and my life is easy. And I told you before we started that I live in three different states and it's, it's not always easy. And sometimes I wake up and wonder where I'm at when my husband's on tour and I'm in a different city every day. And I'm not complaining by any means, but not many people can understand that. But through the trials and tribulations that I've endured, way above and beyond that, that the, the traveling and, and that doesn't even count. But I talk about some of the, the dark nights of my soul in my book, Four Minutes a Day, Rock and Roll Your Way to Happy. And I've learned that through the different chapters, I write um, quick and easy chapters that can help you change your life and can also serve as a journal for readers to dig down deep and get out their innermost thoughts and to help them be happier, healthier, and live the life of their dreams. Because I know we lost our home that was one time empty. Yeah, I, w- I want you to tell your whole story. Okay. No. How long we're we're going to get there. <laughs> and in, fact, in fact, you know, actually, you know what? I see you as what? such a regular person with such an extraordinary life. You know, I don't know how yeah. else to put it. Uh, I, and some of those, th- I have some questions. We'll have some questions. Okay. But Go tell us it. your story. You had a career in radio and TV before you met Ted. Yes. As I understand. I, Give us a I, snapshot of what your life was before Ted. Before Ted, I was uh, working at, at a rock and roll radio station in Detroit with uh, best-selling New York Times author and also radio talk show host Mitch Album. I worked side oh. by side next to him. Yeah, and wow. Ted came in and filled in for the morning crew for an entire week. And you know, in radio, your job is to talk to people, and they really encouraged me to talk to Ted, and <laughs> so I did. And you know, honestly. There was something about him that attracted me to him, and it had nothing to do with rock and roll, because here's an interesting story. I didn't even like rock and roll music back then. In fact, that worked against him. Like, I didn't want to have anything to do with some guy who thought he was God's kids women. So I, I, you know, went in and did my, my shtick, and I came out, of, and he would follow me to my office, and he would ask me out, and the first time I... But I said no, and he asked me out again. And finally, the the uh, producer, the program director, said, "You know, why don't you go out to lunch with Mr. Nugent and just see what happens?" And so, honestly, the thing that attracted me most to Ted was that he didn't drink and smoke. And at that time, I was teaching about fifteen different aerobics classes a week. I was, I just loved to be physical. I grew up as a tomboy. I used to race motocross. I swam competitively. I did almost every sport, and I just loved to be physical. So I liked it that he was an outdoorsman. And it was strange because I had not met another man who didn't drink or smoke. 
but here I go to the rock and roll industry and find Ted Nugent who doesn't drink and smoke. How he's probably the only one. <laughs> probably the only one. Yeah. So um, that really did intrigue me, and the fact that he was very funny and um, could you know talk about just about any topic, and and very charismatic, and we instantly were attracted to one another. And our first, the first day we met was October third, nineteen eighty-eight. We our first date was November seventh that year. We got engaged a month later and got married a month after that. And here it is 27 years later. And how how immediate did your life change? Was it a total change right away? Did you get to ease in to the the, uh, life as a wife of a superstar? how How did you manage that? You know, I'll tell you, it was difficult because I left I left my home, my family, my friends, my work, and I became Mrs. Ted Nugent. And he lived in a very small, humble country home out in the middle of nowhere, rural Michigan. And not only did I, you know, leave my career, my job, I wanted to be his wife and I wanted to be with him. But it was difficult when you give up your own identity. And then when he went on the road, he was touring. I stayed home and took care of his kids, Sasha and Toby, who were at the time 12 and 14 years old. So it was wham, bam, you know, what a baptism by fire. It was a big change. Oh, my. One of the questions that I, I, I had, you know, and I understand this one, how do you stay true to who you are when you're married to somebody who is so big and he has so many really strong opinions that a lot of people disagree with and a lot of us agree with. But, I mean, he was controversial and you were in the middle of all that and probably mm-hmm. didn't have a chance to say, well, wait a minute, here's what I think. Now, how did you ke- keep in balance during that I'll be on- incredible I'll adjustment be time? You. I'll be honest with you, Irene. I kept my mouth shut for a long time. For you had to. Decades. <laughs> you yeah. almost had to. And it was difficult because he he toured about uh, anywhere from 100 to, to 250 days a year. That means gone. That means away from home. That means when we are together, I don't want to rock the boat and bring up something negative and have an argument. So I spent decades probably with my mouth shut and just going along. And I think really the two tragedies, main tragedies, and, and um, my dark nights of the soul that I write about in my book really helped transform me and pushed me into a position where I had to speak my mind. And I wanted to, and I, you know, there are times, you know, being, as you were married to someone who is a type A personality and speaks their mind, you kind of feel like as the spouse and the one who stays home and takes care of the family and the kids and the home, like you should be seen and not heard. So you don't dare rock the boat. That's right. But I'll tell you something interesting, Irene. My son, Rocco, who is an indigo child, indigo adult. Are you familiar with that term? Yes, yes. Okay. Rocco, um, Rocco is on a spiritual path that is astounding. And, and just, I'm so proud of him for being where he is at this moment in time. He, he's a, he's a rapper. Talk about going off the beaten path. 
Ted Nugent's son, our son Rocco, is a rapper, <laughs> but we call him a spiritual rapper because he raps and sings about being the light in darkness, not about oh, cool. the bad stuff about rap. That's just his way of expressing himself. But he also, he's an actor, and he and you're going to love this one, Irene. Are you ready? You I'm ready. Probably know, you probably know enough about us to know that my husband's a big hunter. Well, our son Rocco is vegan. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I sensed that coming. <laughs> so obviously he does not rapper. go hunting. And we love him. And so my my the where I was going with the story is I have learned from my son. Isn't that wonderful when we can learn from our children? I have learned from my son to be as authentic as I can be and to speak my mind and to be who I am because our spouses married us for a reason because of who we are but we we give up that and we think that they want somebody else we think they want us to be the perfect homemaker and wife and you know that's great but we don't have to lose sight of who we are in the process and so this book and um, and I wrote another one called married to a rock star about 15 years ago, they are my coming out party, so to speak. And so that yes. gives me a voice so that I can speak about the things that are passionate to me. And it's so, it's so wonderful, wonderful because on my um, social media, I have a lot of people who will come to my Facebook page and I do live, I do Facebook live, I do um, broadcasts <gasps> where I talk about my book, I do a book club and I do inspirational, motivational talks with people to help encourage them. And I get comments all the time from my Facebookers that will say, you know, I wanted to check you out to see who Ted Nugent's wife was, but I stayed because of your message. Beautiful. So that's, yeah, that is beautiful. I so appreciate that. And the other question then that comes to my mind is, how proud of you is Ted? He better be darn proud of me. (laughs) I would guess that he talks about how wonderful you are a lot. I do get that from people. Yeah, um, we were we were visiting with some friends, and uh, we we were having dinner, and Ted got up and went to the bathroom, and and they all said, "Boy, he really loves you. He talks about you all the time, even when you're not around. Just wonderfully positive things." And I do appreciate that. Darn well, better though. Yeah, he, he darn well better. You're right about that. And life was going along. You'd been married to him some time. I know you had your home featured on Cribs um, and lovely things like that, and you started getting sick. Pick it up from there and tell us the story of what happened to you and you know, how you came through that. What, you know, that. This is an astonishing story. Well, I had been uh, been teaching group fitness classes, and I owned my own aerobics studio. And I've been I I was once named Detroit's most physical female. I should have been the walking poster child for health and fitness, but instead, I started getting debilitating migraines and chronic fatigue. And ten minutes into my classes, I I felt like an elephant was on my chest. Like I couldn't get enough air in my lungs. And I knew something was wrong. I became my own investigative sleuth, and I went to doctors. Back then, we didn't have the Internet. Nobody was talking about mold and water uh, infiltration and and 
upper respiratory diseases. And the doctors that I went to said, well, you're just too stressed. You know, and well, of course I am. Do you know who my husband is? You know? Yeah. Hey, I'm <laughs> used to it. I, yeah, but uh, one doctor told me, and I, I'm not kidding, I remember this doctor's name and and where he it was at the time. He's retired now, but he told me, I don't know, maybe you're too healthy. Maybe you should try eating at McDonald's. Are you so, kidding? I'm not kidding. So <laughs> year, a couple years went by, and I got sicker and sicker and sicker. And it got to the point where uh, we would travel, and we felt better when we were away from the home. And Did we everybody together, else get sick, too? Everybody else, were, were they yeah. reacting to the? Our, our son, Rocco, had severe asthma. He was on breathing treatments. And my stepkid, Sasha and Toby, had um, moved out of the house by that time. They were in their 20s. And Ted, Ted had similar symptoms to mine, and we just knew something was wrong, but we couldn't figure it out. Until, and you had a beautiful, fancy, nice home. We had I'm a beautiful assuming. home. And in fact, if they, do, they do re-air that MTV Cribs show from time to time, and that, that home is not there. It's gone. All the contents, everything is gone. We demolished the home and everything in it. And we found out uh, through a series of, of going to talking to people and mold experts and toxicologists that both Ted and I had four different types of mold in our bloodstream. Wow. And our son Rocco had severe asthma, was on breathing treatments, and I was also diagnosed with having pre-emphysema, and I don't smoke. And the doctor that's toxicologist in Royal Oak, Michigan, wrote on his doctor prescription pad, it said, get out of the house. And we did. And we demolished the house, and, and we, I sought treatment from a place called the Environmental Health Center in Dallas by Dr. William Ray, who Suzanne Summers talks about in her book. She interviewed him via phone, but he was actually my doctor. And I didn't want to go to the Mayo Clinic or some other, you know, medical facility that would just give me drugs and cover the problem. I literally needed to be detoxified. And I did alternative remedies that were a little bit unheard of back then, but now more prevalent. I now, did, how did but, you, when did you study metaphysics? My, I guess I want to know that, okay. to know how um, you knew I, to seek out those things. Well, I started studying metaphysics um, back in the 1990s because, okay. as, as we talked about briefly, I kept my mouth shut when people said things to me that hurt my feelings and I didn't like some of the things that were going on in my relationship. And I realized that that was metastasizing as a physiological um, problem in my body. And I thought that was causing my migraine, that I was just the type of person that when people said something to me, I had very thin skin and I, I took it physically, literally. So that helped me, but it didn't cure me. That helped me digging deep inside myself and helped me become who I am today. It was a long, 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 long process, but that wasn't the thing that cured me. That's the thing that finally cured us. And sometimes you do need to seek out um, a professional who can help you with other resources. You know, you can meditate all day long, but if you have a broken arm, you got to go to the you doctor. you got to go get it <laughs> fixed. You have to. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I um, I went to the Environmental Health Center in Dallas, and I was treated with infrared sauna, vitamin IV, and oxygen. And I was there for about a month, and there was even people in our close family that thought that I was crazy and had Ted not had similar symptoms, and Ted was on oxygen too. He didn't join me at the facility because he was on tour. And I found out that male testosterone helps uh, buoy their uh, immune system a little bit more than women. And plus, because I was the one in the house the, the most, Ted was yeah. on tour, Rocco was at He tour. was on tour a lot. You yeah. were there in the house. I got, I got the sickest. So, uh, yeah, I, that saved my life. Dr. William Ray at the Environmental Health Center in Dallas saved my life. And when did you then get back into the swing of things? Well, it was probably about a year later. After I was there for a month, I came home and I tried to reacclimate. It was funny because I got so detoxified that I couldn't, I became chemically sensitive. And to this day, Ted and I and Rocco are all chemically sensitive, and we can't be around, we can't use fabric softeners, and I read about that in my book. Can't use scented candles, can't be around potpourri. We have to use um, natural cleaners, um, not all these chemical scents. And, and it took me a, about a year to get my health back and to start um, living again and in the real world, which means I had to, like, I remember the first time I had to pump gas. I had to oh. wear a mask. I couldn't stand the gas fumes. And to this day, when I get on a plane and you walk from that, um, the runway, the jet plane down to the plane and you smell a little bit of the jet fuel, I have to cover my face. I can't smell all that. So there's still things that I, I struggle with. But I think it, what really helped me, Irene, is... Once I started getting healthy, I started taking fitness classes again, and I thought, I'm going to you know, try to get back into exercise. And I was traveling with Ted, and we were in Las Vegas, and I went to it. It was a 24-hour fitness gym. I'll never forget it. And I looked at the group fitness schedule, and I, I saw something that said Zumba. And the description was something like dance and fun and sweat and exercise, and I thought, well, I'm going to give that a shot. And I walked into the class. The instructor was Megan Gasper, a beautiful, spirited, redheaded girl that changed my life. And I remember having so much fun being able to dance again and move, and I was smiling the whole time. And I came home, and I told my husband, I'm going to come out of retirement, and I'm going to teach this class. And so I went and got licensed to teach Zumba. I brought it back to Waco, Texas. I was the first one teaching there. And the long story short is my classes were packed with more than 100 people in every class. And the exercise uh, company Curves was also headquartered in Waco, Texas. And they found out about me and asked if I would develop a program for Curves and Zumba. And the next thing I know, I was working with the creator of Zumba, Beto Perez, and meeting everybody there. And I, I wrote a manual 
for Zumba and I created, developed a program for them and I was traveling all over the world teaching fitness classes and sharing my passion for healthy living with others. And right about that time, I was going to Curves and they introduced Zumba. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Isn't that, that wonderful? That was my program. <laughs> And it really is spirited, and it really is fun, and I never could get my feet going in the right direction. But that's another story for another day. So now you're well, and you're teaching Zumba, and, you know, things are settling down a little bit. What led you to write four minutes a day? Well, I always wanted to talk about my story and about, you know, what happened to us was tragic. We lost our home. We lost all of the contents in it. But on top of that, we all got very sick. And I, I thought, what, how can we possibly, you know, see something good that come, comes out of this? And the only thing that I could think of, Irene, is that if I shared my story with others, I could help educate and enlighten people to become their own investigative sleuths. And maybe if they're having a similar problem, they could at least check it out. And so I wanted, about the time that I was working with Zumba, I started working with them when I was 47, I think it was. And I thought, wow, I I really want to write a book, and maybe I'll call it 50 is the New 30, and I'll talk about, you know, how I feel better now than I I had when I was in my 20s. And I turned 48, I turned 49, I turned 50, I turned 51, and I had not written a word. And so one night I went to bed, I said my prayers, and I thought, you know, I just asked for guidance because I really want to help people. And through my fitness classes, I love seeing the changes and people coming up to me with big smiles and thanking me for the class. And there's just nothing that can be more rewarding than that. And I I truly get high off of helping people. And so I, I just asked God for guidance, and I wanted to be able to write this book, and the words just weren't flowing out of me. And the next morning I woke up, and I'd never been, I'd never had divine inspiration. I I heard about people saying, well, God told me to move to Des Moines, Iowa. I never had that. You know, I I will tell you, Irene, that I, I did feel a spiritual connection with the shoe department when I walked into the mall. But that was a, <laughs> that's another story. I don't think that was divine inspiration. So I, I had this message that I should write the book, and the title came to me just as a bold, blatant message. And it wasn't for it wasn't fifty is the new thirty. The title that I was given was four minutes a day, rock and roll your way to happy. And I thought, wow, look at all the things that you can do in just four minutes a day that can change your life. You want to learn a new language. You want to clean out a a junk drawer. You want to travel. You want to change careers. You want to get in shape. You want to feel great, on and on and on. And so here I was having this conversation with God, and I thought, this is is awesome. This is is my new book. This is going to be great. And then I got the message that I should write the book in three days. And and then I realized, okay, now I'm arguing with God. Well, who can do anything in three days? That's impossible. And I realized, Irene, that day was Good Friday. And something spectacular oh. happened in three days. And that was all I needed. That was my sign. It was my divine inspiration. 
And so I announced it on Facebook and I, um, all my social media and to my husband that I was going to lock myself in my office for three days and I was going to write a book. And you know what? That made me accountable and I did. And I'll tell you what, I wrote the book in three days and I could not write fast enough. The words just flowed out of my fingertips and onto the keyboard and it was, it was a wonderfully incredible experience. On that note, we're going to go to break, and I will tell the listeners that it reads that way, too. You can't put it down. You want to just keep on going because it's so delightful. Take a look at her website as we go to break, Rocks. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Shemaine Nugent. And um, I really don't want to say that she's the wife of Ted Nugent, but I just did. She is (laughs) Shemaine Nugent, a human being in her own right that has many talents, so many abilities, and has written a wonderful little book called Four Minutes a Day, Rock and Roll, Your Way to Happy. And I love it that it doesn't say happiness. It says rock and roll your way to happy. And I don't know why, but that just hits the right spot in me, and I really like it. Shemaine who do you think can best benefit from reading your book? It's more than reading your book. It's working with your book. Anyone who, who wants to make any type of transformation in their life, whether it's big or small, and it could be something as, as simple as cleaning out a junk drawer. You know, we all have those drawers where we stuff everything when people are coming over. Or if you want <laughs> yeah. to change a, change a career or learn a new language and, and Things just slip by. And you and I were talking on the break, Irene. You know, 
the next thing you know, we were 60, 70, or 80 years old, and life passes us by, and we didn't get to do the things that we really wanted to do. So this book offers the, the reader an opportunity to journal their innermost thoughts and dig down deep inside like, like you're weeding a garden. You've got you to gotta get to the root. You've got to pull it all out. And it's an interesting experiment that I've done in the past that has worked for me where I have a couple of pages towards the end where there's a blank page and I ask the reader to draw, write, use figures, symbols, colorings, anything they want, numbers, words, letters, to describe their dream life. What does it look like? And, you know, so often we look at other people's lives and we say, wow, I wish I could do that. Well, why can't you? If you want to go to Rome... And let's say you're on a, on a budget. What about planning a trip for four years from now? What about putting a set, aside, set small amount of money away every month? What if you want to change your career and you don't want to give up your insurance? Well, when I was writing my book, I took time when I didn't have obligations. And I know, I understand when you have small children, it's tough. But I wrote a book when I had a small child, too, and I got up at 4.30 in the morning. So there are ways to go about doing it. It's just about um, setting aside the time and having just the, the littlest desire, that little voice in the back of your head that's urging you to try something or do something different. We got to listen to that. And, and sometimes it comes and kicks you in the head so you know you better get with the program. That's Not right. always, but, but sometimes it does. And if you pay attention and you follow it, you're probably going to find something really wonderful. Let me ask you this. What does happy look like to you? When you talk about being happy, what does it mean? Because I think it means something different to each one of us. Absolutely. And for me, if I had to describe happy in one word, I could. And it would be something different for everybody. But for me, it's health. Because I lost my health because I was almost dying. I know what it's like not to be able to walk up a flight of stairs if my life depended on it. And I know what it's like not to be able to take care of my family when I desperately wanted to. I struggled to make my son a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because I didn't have enough energy. So when, because I lost my health and I got it back, the number one most important thing to me is health. Because I can't be happy if I'm not healthy. And then everything else, I can do the things that I love to do. I can spend time with my family. I can teach fitness classes. I can travel. I can do all those other things. But number one, most important for me, is health. I agree. And I probably wouldn't define it exactly that way, but health would certainly have a part in it. And I did the chronic fatigue thing, so I know exactly where you were when you're too tired to get up to go to the bathroom, that's yeah. too tired. That's too tired. You know, something's seriously, seriously wrong. You ask this question, and I ask this question on a regular basis. I see it so often. You put it with 90-year-olds. You said, why are some 90-year-olds buoyant and upbeat despite knowing they're at the end of their lives while others are cranky and bitter? You can apply that to any age. And I've had so many yeah. different answers about that. What's your take on it? Why can twins grow up in the exact same family, have the exact same everything, and one becomes a criminal and one becomes this wonderful being that you, you know, love to be around? 
I think that that's a real deep topic, and I think it has to do with our souls. But on a, on a more uh, broad base, I, th- I also think it's our environment, our upbringing, what we see and hear and feel. And the best way that I can describe it is we were in Africa. We traveled to Africa a lot. In fact, our son Rocco was named after an Italian doctor who owns a 50,000-acre tomato farm in South Africa, Dr. Rocco Joya. And so on one of our first visits with Dr. Joya, um, there were workers on his 50,000-acre ranch, and they worked, and some of them wore the same exact clothes every day, every day, every day and had shoes that were mismatched, Irene. And I asked him, do the workers look at us with our fancy watches and our expensive jewelry and our cameras and nice clothes, and are they jealous of us? And he said, no, they feel sorry for you because you need so many things. And so my, you know, I, I constantly remind myself of that story and how I want to desperately live a more simple life. And yeah, we can get caught up with the Joneses real easy if we allow ourselves to. But the more that we bring ourselves back to the basics and, and grow and cook our own food and be responsible for, for our health and our own happiness... I think when we, when we look for handouts and for other people to provide us with things and we don't get that ourselves, that has an ability to taint us, wouldn't you say? I would say so, yes. You know, we had a little incident in our town the other day. I, I'm still, my mind is swirling from it. Evidently, there was a woman who was standing outside the grocery store asking for money and it put everybody in a tailspin, oh my goodness, what's happening to our town kind of thing. Instead of saying, can I take you in and get you a cup of coffee and a sandwich and let's talk about what's going on with you? you know? right. Right. <laughs> and there were a couple of people who were feeling really bad for her and wanted to help. But most of the people were just afraid that our town was now blighted. And I'm thinking, what mm-hmm. on earth has happened to us? You know, what's going right. on here? We have a, a program called Hunters for the Hungry where we provide millions of tons. We have a system throughout the United States where, where hunters provide their venison to soup kitchens all across the United States. And we also send like venison jerky overseas to our military. So we, there are times when we all need help and there are certain things that, you know, we absolutely cannot control. The, um, emotional illnesses that that we are suffering from in in this country have gone diagnosed for, undiagnosed for too long, and that's a whole other topic. So I do believe that there are times when we all need a helping hand, and especially our elderly. I remember my grandmother, who just died a few years ago at the age of ninety seven. And when she was in her 90s, she was still playing the piano for the Kiwanis Club every Wednesday <laughs> in Mount Clemens, yep. Michigan. And I remember, and she didn't do it because she had to. Um, she did it because that was her job. And I remember I, I invited her down to come to Texas to come watch my son, her, her great-grandson, play basketball. And she looked at me and she just... She had a moment of just contemplation, and and I said, 
well, what do you think, Graham? Can you come down and, and you know, we'll fly you down and stay with us and you watch Rocco play basketball? And she said, well, I don't know. I have to play at Kiwanis on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, bless her heart. It was the cutest thing. But, I, you know, if you want to work when you're 80 or 90 or 100 years old, have at it. I can't imagine not doing that. But there are some people that, and I again, I know what it's like not to have your health. And to struggle with that, so there are there are situations that are beyond our control that we do need to help each other, and we need to pay closer attention to that. But I also think that becoming more authentic to what we truly believe in and not looking at each other, like I wish I had her life or I wish I had that life or I wish I had that car, you know, we sometimes need to take a step back and go, do we really need it? Is that going to make us happy? We're, we're, remember that first car that you wanted? I remember I wanted the J2000. It was 1981 or 82. I was in college, and I wanted this J2000 Chevrolet so bad. I don't even know where that is right now. Did that make me any happier at the time? You know? Yeah, really. I do know. I had a red Mustang. <laughs> and I, I don't know where it is now, but I loved yes. that car. But... <laughs> You know, when I got the next car, I was fine with it, too. Yes, you, yes. You talk about playtime. I loved that little piece. How important to you is playtime? Playtime is everything to me because it allows us to be physical, but get in touch with our, our childlike side. I mean, if you play, the, the first thing I do, we, we recently had, over the holidays, um, we had a bunch of our grandkids over, um, and we all celebrated the holidays. And, and the first thing I did, I literally, it was snow time, it was in Michigan, and I had my boots and coat on and walked in the, the door to my stepdaughter Sasha's house, and there were 10 kids running around playing, and they had these lightsabers, you know, from um, Star Wars, lightsabers yeah. in their hand. And they were running around, and I go, I just went, I didn't even take my coat off my boots, and I said, what are we doing? What are we playing? Can I play? And they went, yeah, come on. And we all ran outside. They put their coats on. I helped them put their boots on. And I go, who am I? And they go, you're Princess Leia. And we all ran around and we got into a tree fort and we were playing. And we were, you know, for those 20 minutes that I was playing with those kids, my problems didn't matter. No, no, you don't it even was, have any. Yes, it was focused on the children and, and experiencing that joy and that childlike essence and when I don't have little kids around I play with my dogs I run and we play kind of tag and fetch and you know get your heartbeat up it helps to lower your blood pressure and your cholesterol and it helps with our moods too when we just play I couldn't agree with you more. And and my time in the morning at the dog park with the dog and all the dog owners is is the best oh. time of the day. Oh, yeah, it's, I, it's we love our dogs. Our dogs are our life. Now that our kids are out of the house, it's my husband and I and our dogs, and it's just incredible. We talk about <laughs> you know where's the kid? And actually, I'll tell you because you're a dog lover, and um, we just had a scare with our we got a new puppy because our beloved 14-year-old uh, black lab Gonzo passed away in December. Oh. So we got a new puppy in February. Not to replace him, not, nothing ever could, but to help be a buddy, a companion for our other dog, uh, ha whose name is Happy. 
I have a dog named Happy, Irene. Happy. I love it. And um, Sadie had, she went into severe kidney failure, and we had to rush her to Texas A&M Veterinary Hospital. She was there for a week. And the thing that helped heal her, heal her, was that they gave her fresh cooked chicken every day. She had lost so much weight, she looked like a little Auschwitz dog, Aww, just, just yeah. fading away to nothing. So I cook for my dogs every day, Irene. <laughs> Is that crazy? Yeah, I kind of, kind of, no, no, I know that when Smarty gets his chicken when I get my lunch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we, we do that. Um, we talked a little bit before about expressing your own opinion, speaking up for yourself, speaking your truth. And you talk about that. You have a couple sections in your book or a couple lessons in your book about expressing yourself. And here, I guess because your husband is so outspoken and I love what he says, you know, in, in this age of political correctness, how important is it? to voice your opinion even if it isn't politically correct? Well, that's a tough one, and I, and I have to... It's a tough um, one. It is a it's tough, a tough one. one. And I'll tell you, the reason I say it's a tough one, because I know, I understand the backlash that my husband gets, and I get it from, from what he says, too. Oh, I'm sure I, you do. Yep. Irene, we've had death threats because of some of the things that he said, and also because we, we're hunters, we eat meat, and that, that's a whole other story. But so I, I don't want to be that type of person that... I, I don't want to wish anyone harm, and I, I'll never post anything negative on my Facebook no, or social me media either. about another person, and I certainly would never go to somebody else's sites and say anything nasty or negative either. Um, so regarding how important it is it to say what's on your mind, I feel... The same way, but as my husband does in a lot of areas. However, <laughs> there's a big disclaimer there, Irene. I, I know. say it differently. I don't want to uh, make anyone feel uncomfortable, and I and yet I know that some of the things that I say and do will will make people uncomfortable. So I think we have to, and it's tough in this age of political correctness. You're right. Um, what what we see and hear that's reported in the news isn't always true. I've done many, many interviews for this book, and there were several that I've done an interview. They had their recorder going, and they got it wrong. They printed what I said wrong. I never would have said those things. So I see it happen to my husband. And Absolutely. I think, I think that what happens with him also is people jump to the conclusion a reporter will think, well, he really meant this, and that's what my interpretation of what he said, when it really doesn't. And in this day and age of political correctness, every word matters. So <sighs> we've had some instances where, where the media has completely gotten wrong and twisted what he has said, and it's come back to, you know, to kick us in the, in the tail. But, you know, it's so funny. One of the things that I've learned from my husband is that it doesn't, he doesn't care. He goes on with his life, and I'm learning from him. I, I told you earlier in our, our talk today that, you know, I used to have really, really, really thin skin. If, if somebody said something that hurt my feelings, I would just shut my mouth and get a stomachache. It, it bothered me. And, and after being with my husband now for 27 years, I'm learning not to have thin skin and that 
oftentimes you cannot please everybody. So you might as well just please yourself. And you might as well speak your truth. And you don't right. have to hit somebody with it to speak yeah. it. Now, th- this right. is a really, this is a way out of where we are kind of question. When I saw this, I just started laughing and I'm thinking, what on earth is that? What are burpees? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, burpees. When, I'm going to meet you in person sometime and I will show you. <laughs> so a burpee is, you can Google it. It's a physical term where you... Um, Okay, so say you're standing up. Oh, I read the description. There's no way on this planet I could do that. <laughs> but well, we can, tell, we can get a just describe it briefly. I'll, ta- I'll take you through a workout. We can do a modification for you. <laughs> okay. You remember I'm an old lady. You have a chapter asking how do you want to feel. What a wonderful question that is. And so I want to ask you, how do you want to feel? Healthy and happy. And so that the reason I I asked that question is because I I once read a book called The One Decision, and I don't recall who the author was, but I remember the, the, the summary of it is that everything that you do can be based on one decision that you make. And for me, if I have that piece of chocolate cake and I know that that's, it's going to make me feel, feel bloated and then guilty that I ate it and then I'll have to work out harder and longer and sac- you know, sacrifice a, a meal and have two salads the next day instead of one and, and so on and so forth. So that's part of it, but also the certain things that we do and where we work and where we live and where we play, it all goes in together. It ties into who we are, how we do us. How do you do you, Irene? What do you do? Do you know what I mean? You do things differently than I do, and I do things differently than you do, but we, it works for each of us, certain things. And I think it's really important because if you are in a position in life where you're asking yourself, I don't, this is not how I want to feel. I don't feel healthy. I don't feel good about my, my career, my job. Something's really wrong in my life. Then there's only one person that can change it, and that's you. Absolutely. And you know what? There's no, nothing wrong with changing your mind when you no. get you know, older and you say, what am I doing this for? I never wanted to be in this place. What I want to do is, and then go do it. Yes. There's so no age that's too old. My book offers them, offers the readers an opportunity to, to map out those steps because it's often overwhelming to just say, yeah, it's easy for you to say change my life, but I'm you know, getting insurance in a, in a job that I may or may not like how do I actually do that? So I walk people through some steps that can help them make those decisions. And they're always happier for it, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. At the end of the book, you state this. <clears throat> Life is hard. It's terribly messy at times. It doesn't turn out exactly as we planned, but if we open our hearts and minds to the possibilities that await us, we can transform our lives into more authentic and magical journeys. 
So I guess my question is, what's your next magical journey? Oh, boy. How long do we have, Irene? <laughs> oh, I'm doing, I, I have this terrible problem where I can't um, get through the day without coming up with 10 new ideas of what I want to do. Um, one thing that I'm doing is I am working on a, a film. I wrote a screenplay based on my son's life, and I'm working on getting that produced. I've written three screenplays. And working on getting that one produced within this next year. That's one. Another one is um, I am working on an online program based upon my book where I can help you get through making these transformations in your life that you want to and help people live the life of their dreams. And also, a, a number one thing is, you know, America has, we've gone, I think, weak in the sense of physical fitness. We drive everywhere. We eat in our cars. Not all of us. Only the guilty need to feel guilty. And I was one of them. <laughs> I, I realized when I had my son um, taking him to school and to practices, we'd oftentimes have a fast meal in the car. And, and so this is an opportunity for us to put time aside and get in shape and I will help people walk them through that with this online program. So I'm also working on that too. And then another book. So fantastic. (laughs) And I hate to say it, but we are at the end of this show. What's the thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Well, I just, I want to thank you for doing what you do. And you told me in a break how old you were. And I don't want to disclose that if you don't want to. But I, <laughs> Everybody knows I I'm do, an old lady. <laughs> no, I, I feel like an old lady. But I, I also am appreciative of people like you who are breaking the, the mold, so to speak. And there's no, we don't, we don't have to stop working when we're a certain age. We can continue to do what we love to do. And I think that's what's really, really important in life is to find the thing that makes your heart sing. You'll be happier and healthier if you fit that into your schedule several times a week, if not every day. Make your heart sing. That's one of my favorite things to say. It's such a wonderful note to end the show on. Shemaine, thank you so, so much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Irene. We will have to keep in touch. Yes, please. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Shemaine Nugent saying thank you so much for being with us today. Come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for The Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.